Good morning, Center Ray Church. I'm Deidre. And I'm Sandra, and we are so thankful to be gathering with you this morning. We just want to welcome you and say hi to everyone gathered on the Sunday morning live platform, as well as those of you watching or listening later on in the week. We're so glad you're choosing to be with us. We're going to talk through some information we share every week, and one main reason for that is because we know there are some guests out there joining us. So welcome to all of you. It must feel a little strange to visit us online, but we trust that you'll still get a sense of who we are and feel at home here. Deidre's going to share a little bit about our live platform. Absolutely. There are tabs right on the online platform, and they allow you to share your information with us, uh, which would be especially great if it's your very first visit. You can also take next steps, find previous messages, and even share this message if you'd like. There's also a tab um, to, for those of you that want to give. You can also do that. Um, you can also ask questions, request prayer, and one of our hosts will answer you in a private chat separately. And if you're watching or listening to this message later, you can do many of those things through our website. If you find that throughout the week you have any questions, want to give us feedback, have any ideas, or need prayer, please just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Another way to stay connected throughout the week is through the resources we have so that our spiritual journey is more than just a Sunday morning event. These resources are designed to take us deeper into the message text, help us to apply it, help us grow, and to remind us of what we've heard. Yeah, I'm so thankful for some of those, um, such as the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that our team create to go along with the message and the images to put on your phone or desktop to remind you of the weekly application. Uh, one thing I'll notice is that if you have any kids, there's a message just for them. They learn from the same scripture text that we do, which is a great opportunity for families to grow together. Um, I don't actually have kids, but I've listened to a couple of those messages and they're really great. I totally agree. As a mom, I love watching the kids' messages. <laughs> and there are two main places on our website to find the resources we're talking about as well as others. Uh, they can be found on either the messages page and the next steps page. Now here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Adria, one of our Centerway students, will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. And then right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Now here's Adria with the text for today. My name is Adria, I'm a Sunway student, and I'll be reading from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told them all what they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore and saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away and go into the surrounding countryside and villages, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You should give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread, and then give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of the fish, and those who ate all the loaves were five thousand men.
Hello and welcome. My name is Claude and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Excited that you have the opportunity to be with us as we continue in our series, Unnoticed. Uh, This morning's message is specifically entitled, Revolution, Unnoticed Revolution. Um, as we move through the, the passage that you just heard read, there's something kind of unique or interesting about the passage, and that's that uh, typically when I'm studying a particular passage, I'll find that there's somewhat of a controversy or disagreement amongst either commentators or scholars as to what the text meant in the day that it was written or what it means to us today. And what's interesting about this text is there's not a lot of controversy about it at all. In fact, uh, everyone kind of agrees what it's all about, and at face value, it might look like kind of a a story about a a picnic um, and a a miraculous moment, but it's really so much more than that. In fact, I want to submit to you, it's it's about a revolution. And um, as I thought a little bit about the setting of this text, it caused me to reminisce a little bit uh, about a desolate place that I found myself in uh, as a kid. You see, growing up, we used to split wood in order to, to heat with a wood stove in our home. And uh, there's a lot of irony around that. Uh, one is that once I got married, uh, my dad, actually when I went off to college, my dad bought a log splitter. Then when I got married, my dad installed a furnace. And uh, it was amazing how all of a sudden, uh, when I wasn't around, it became too much work to do those things. Uh, The true irony is that if you don't know my dad, you don't realize that he actually did HVAC um, his life there. So he installed furnaces for other people <laughs> and uh, and not for us. So anyway, all that aside, I remember as a, as a young kid, the first time I was allowed to go with my dad to split wood, I was so excited. I could barely sleep that night. I remember packing uh, my lunch for the day ahead. And I remember that morning, we woke up really early before the sun was even up and we were going to meet one of his friends um, out in the woods to, to go ahead and split the wood. And, and my mom was up and helping me kind of get my lunch together. And I remember I, I got a thermos. And so my mom is putting ice in this thermos and filling it up with water. And uh, I just think I'm the coolest thing ever because my dad has a thermos and now I have a thermos. And so I got my lunch in hand and we head out and it's early in the morning. Like I said, sun's not up, so it's still cool. We go into the woods and uh, we took a you know long trip out there. And I remember as the day goes on, reality settles kind of quick. And all of a sudden, this is just a lot of work. And it's really hot. The sun is up now. I'm sweating like crazy. And uh, I'm moving branches and I'm carrying wood. And all I can think about is that thermos. Man, I can't wait until I can get a drink of water. And so I look over and there's the place where we kind of keep the chainsaw cases and all that. And I'm just looking, I'm thinking, I can't wait until I bring this load of wood over there. I'm going to get an ice cold drink of water. And uh, so I'm headed over there. I'm just kind of fixated on that. I go over and look and my thermos isn't there. I left the thermos in the truck. And so I'm completely devastated in that moment. Like, I can't believe my thermos isn't there. It's the only thing I want. And I look and I see my dad's thermos and I think, good enough. Like, I'll just take his thermos and drink from it. So I reach down, I grab his thermos and I I look up as I'm starting to unscrew the top and I see my dad in the distance and uh, his friend is using a chainsaw. So there's a lot of noise and stuff in the background. And so he's kind of waving to me and he's like, no, no, no. And, And I'm like, yeah, mine's in the truck, you know? And he's like, no, no, that's mine. That's mine. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's your thermos, dad. Like, 
Why are you being so mean? Like, I don't understand. Can't I have a sip? I'm dying here. I'm dying of thirst. Don't you love your son? Let me drink some of your water. I'll give you some of mine is what I'm thinking in my head. And so I'm like, yeah, I get it. So I'm opening it and he's like waving emphatically like, no, 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 it's mine. It's mine. I'm like, I get it. And you know, I'm kind of a germaphobe. I don't like sharing my drinks or anything like that. And so I'm thinking, it's okay, dad, don't worry. I won't let it touch my lips. You know, I'm just going to pour this ice cold water down my face and let me cool right off. And so I'm unscrewing this thing and okay, dad, no problem. No problem. He's kind of moving towards me quickly, almost jogging. I'm like, geez, what's the big deal? He really likes this water. And so I lean back and I'm holding it up in the air. And have you ever have you ever expected something to be something? And when it's not, it's even more startling than it would be like, I tip this thing back and it's not water at all. It is piping hot black coffee. And so I pour hot coffee all over my lips and down my chest. It's just pouring. And I'm literally like startled and screaming like, oh my gosh, I'm burning myself. And uh, I sit there just absolutely devastated, confused. Why in the world would my dad have hot coffee instead of ice cold water? My dad's looking at me like, I tried to stop you. And it's so funny how like in that moment, I go from like, I can't believe you don't love me enough to let me drink your water to, I can't believe you don't love me enough to tell me that this is going to be burning hot coffee, you know? And so with second degree burns all over myself, I sit there just kind of sulking and frustrated because the thing that I thought was going to answer my deepest needs just didn't deliver at all, right? I was devastated, absolutely devastated. But That's kind of what happens. It's a picture of life, right? We fixate on the things that we think we want, the things we think we need. Like if we can just get that thing, then finally we'll have all the fulfillment we want, right? The question I want to ask you as we move into the text today is what do we look to for fulfillment? What do we look to for fulfillment? Like in that moment, it was that water. It was ice cold water. If I could just get that, it would fulfill my deepest needs, right? What about you, though, in this season of life? What is it that you're looking to for fulfillment? You know, I think that we look to what it is we think we need in the moment. It's not super profound, right? Like, the thing that we look to is the thing we think we need. It's kind of common sense. In fact, it even sounds like a good thing. Like, you need it, so obviously that's what you want. The problem is, sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes the thing we think we need, the thing that we fixate on, it's not what we need at all. It's the wrong thing. Actually, I kind of want to go out on a limb here and and say that most of the time we're probably wrong, if we're honest. That's why we can get the things that we're certain we want, the things that we're certain we need that's going to kind of fill that hole, that void in our life, only to find out that that void is still there. Some of you are experiencing that right now coming off of Christmas, like that one thing you wanted, that one thing you knew you you needed. It's like a couple weeks old now and it's not really what you thought it would be. It's not delivering the way that it did initially. It just kind of wears off and we're left with that void. It goes beyond stuff though. It goes even into the, the way we feel in a certain situation or circumstances. It's why we can be in a crowded room and feel completely unnoticed. It's why we can get sleep and wake up feeling exhausted. You see, even stress and burnout, 
They can, they can reveal a lack of fulfillment in our lives. They aren't a result of, of hard work. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm just burned out or, or I'm stressed out because I'm working so hard. But that's, that's not the truth. In fact, studies and, and psychologists and, and physiologists say that stress and actually burnout are a result of really a weary heart. It's a heart condition. It's this idea that we have a lack of fulfillment. The thing we thought would deliver just isn't. You see, as humans, not Christians, but humans, Christians or not, we look for fulfillment in the wrong things. In today's passage, we have two people groups. We have the disciples and then we have this crowd and they're looking for fulfillment in something. And Jesus is trying to show them and trying to show us what often goes unnoticed. I'll explain. Let's look at these two groups of people. The first group of people are the disciples. And so if we look at verses 30 through 31, it says this, the apostles, or it's another way of referring to the disciples. The disciples returned to Jesus. Now, the reason why it says they returned to Jesus is they have been sent out to do ministry. There's kind of a hiatus that's been taken in the text, uh, as we talked about last week, this story of John the Baptist, and now it's returning back to where the disciples are. And they've returned to Jesus after doing ministry and told him all they had done and taught. Moving on to verse 31, says this, And he, Jesus, said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Even to eat. So the disciples are starting to find their fulfillment in ministry. Now, we know this for two real reasons. The, the first reason is obvious. There are humans, and um, there's been some pretty exciting things that have happened. They've, they've done some miraculous things. They've taught some things. There's a lot of energy and excitement, and so it just stands to reason that there'd be a sense of fulfillment in that. The second reason that we know that is because Jesus actually addresses it later, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to spend a moment, if, if we can just think about the, the disciples finding their fulfillment in ministry, and I want to spend a moment now looking at this second group of people. If we look at the second group of people, this crowd, we need some context to kind of truly understand what's happening here. Jesus is headed to a desolate place, as the text says. Uh, he's going to a rural hill district. We know that the, the district around Galilee on the outskirts is kind of a hill district. And what history tells us about these places is that on the outskirts of Galilee is where freedom fighters lived. Sounds kind of like romantic, right? These freedom fighters lived in these outskirts. And they're, they're Jewish kind of guerrilla fighters, if you will. And they're revolutionaries. They're living and hiding in these outskirt places from the Roman imperial rule. Right, So we have these people that are living out in these outskirt places. And uh, the, the name for these people are zealots. Okay, So the zealots were, if you don't know, um, people that stood for the violent overthrow of Roman rule. So get this. The, the disciples are physically tired. They're physically tired. They're emotionally drained. And it says that people were coming and going even in this moment. So they've returned back and people are all around. In fact, they, even have, they haven't even had an opportunity to, to get something to eat, Scripture says. And so Jesus says, come on, let's go to a desolate place. Let's get some distance. And so they get into a boat and they, they head on, 
to the outskirts of Galilee. And you can only imagine in this boat, they're kind of sharing the stories of what took place, the things that they taught. And there's this excitement yet mixed with exhaustion, as you can imagine. And uh, as they travel by boat to this desolate place, they get ashore. And as they come ashore, scripture says they're met with a crowd. And it goes on to explain that the number of the this, the men in this crowd is 5,000. 5,000. So history tells us that they only counted the men. And so there were obviously women and children in the mix as well. And so estimations are anywhere from 5,000 up to fifteen to 20,000 people meet them in this desolate place in the middle of nowhere. They push ashore wanting some peace only to be met with nearly 20,000 people coming towards them. Why? Why are they there? Why has this crowd come to this place? Well, Mark kind of alludes to it, but John chapter 6, verse 15 actually says it very clearly. They are here to make Jesus king by force. They want him to overthrow the Roman imperial rule. Why? Because they want a revolution. They're revolutionaries. They want a revolution. You see, they know what they need. They know what they want. They're fixated on it. They want freedom from Rome. That's where fulfillment is found. If they can just find freedom. In fact, it's everything that they're living for. You see, it's, it's the people that live out in that community, but it's also, if you remember from the text, people from surrounding communities that are running ahead of them to this desolate place. They know that there's revolutionaries out there. They understand the groups of people that live out there and they're headed out there to join the revolution. We're going to take Rome by storm. I mean, after all, isn't that what God would want? Wouldn't God want to set his people free? This has got to be his plan. I mean, Roman, Roman oppressors are, are pressing down. They're, they're killing and, and beating Jews. And I mean, certainly this is part of Jesus's plan. What's Jesus's reaction to this crowd? Well, let's look. Verse 34, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This is a critical verse in a couple of ways. You see, Jesus is making reference to, to uh, sorry, Numbers, verse 27, chapter 27. Sorry, a little scatterbrain. So Jesus is making reference to Numbers, chapter 27. It's making reference specifically to Moses' prayer. Moses' prayer at the end of his life, he actually prays about the Jewish people that they would not be sheep without a shepherd. So it's important to understand that uh, also in every place in the Old Testament where people are referred to as sheep without a shepherd in the original Hebrew, it's making reference to the need for a political military leader. So what's happening here is Jesus is making reference. He's seeing them come. And as he sees this crowd of five to 20,000 people coming towards them, he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Don't miss it. Jesus is making a statement about what they're after. As people are coming to join, he's saying what they want is a revolutionary leader. They're looking for a political military leader. These people have come here 
for a revolution. Get this. He is the revolutionary leader they're looking for. But not the way they want. Not the way they think it will play out. You see, the revolutionary leader that he is, is going completely unnoticed. They're missing it. They're missing it because they're fixated on what they want and how this is going to play out, what their plan is. Man, listen, Jesus is your Savior. He's our Savior. He's everything that we need and so much more. Is it going unnoticed? Is it going unnoticed in your life because you're so focused on, on what you need or what you think you need or want for a sense of fulfillment? You're so fixated on that thing. Is it possible that you're wrong? That you're fixated on the wrong thing? Don't miss what's happening in the text. We can learn so much from this passage this morning. He says, here comes this group of people. They want a revolution. And his response to an acknowledgement of what they want is compassion. He responds with compassion. And of course, that means he gives them what they want, right? No. No, like that wouldn't be compassionate at all. Isn't it funny that when, you know, whether we're married or if we look at a child, if we have children or a coworker or a friend, we think the most compassionate thing to do is to do what's best for them, even if it goes against what they think they want. It's interesting how our perception is compassion when we do the right thing, but when it's us, when it's us, the compassionate thing is to do what we want. Because we always know best. We know best what's for others, and we also know what's best for us. And so the most compassionate thing you can do, Jesus, is what I want, how I want this to play out. But Jesus doesn't do that. He does the compassionate thing. He does what they actually need, what they actually need. He preaches and teaches the gospel. That's what it says. He began to teach them many things. You see, the world system, the world's model, says, we won't be oppressed. We need a revolution. Let's rise up. And every worldly revolution starts with handing out weapons and teaching people how to fight, right? We've all seen the movie, haven't we? That seems like that's the inspirational way to to lead a revolution. That's not what Jesus does. He, He gives them the word. He gives them the word because that's where they and you and I find true fulfillment. That's what we actually need. They think they know what they want and need, and he's addressing something deeper. I want to submit to you today, like, is it possible? Is it possible that the thing that you're pursuing, that the thing that you're leaning into, that you, that you want so bad that you say, listen, if I can just get that, it'll bring me fulfillment. Is it possible that God is doing something deeper? That he's trying to address something deeper and you're completely missing it. It's going unnoticed because you're so fixated on that thing. Like like me just pouring recklessly, (laughs) piping hot coffee all over my face. This is what I want, Dad. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Is it possible that that's where we're at today? And God that loves you so deeply is trying to address something deeper. Something kind of common sense happens here. As the teaching goes on, it goes later into the day, and these people are physically hungry. They're hungry. And so the disciples actually have a pretty good idea. Verse 36, 
says this, says, listen, this is a whole lot of people are here. And so they say, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. In other words, we've got a problem, Jesus. They're hungry. We've got a plan. Let them go and, and find themselves some food. Good idea. Jesus responds, verse 37. Verse 37, it says, but he, Jesus, answers them, says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Now, now you have to realize it's a sarcastic response. It's a sarcastic response in the way that we know is a couple of things. One, 200 denarii was almost a year's worth of salary. And so they didn't have that type of money with them. So there's this astronomical amount of money. They're like, do you want us to do that? But on top of that, there's 12 disciples. <laughs> there's no way that they actually met. I've got a plan. Let's take all the money we have, even if they had that. And the 12 of us are going to carry 20,000-ish loaves of bread <laughs> as if they could even supply that, find it, and bring it back in time. So th there's nothing about the response that makes sense. It's clearly a sarcastic response. What's interesting is that if you look at the first part where Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat, the way the Greek is structured, it's emphasizing the you. The emphasis is on the you. Jesus is clearly saying you, this is your responsibility. You give them something to eat. And basically, with a sarcastic response, what they're declaring is, Jesus, what you're asking is impossible. It's impossible. Which is exactly Jesus' point. It's exactly what he's trying to convey to them. You see, at this point, he could have said, you know what? You've started to find fulfillment in ministry, and you're as misguided as this crowd that's in front of us. And then he could have just snapped his fingers and Chick-fil-A would have appeared in front of everyone. Clearly, God's food, right? 2,000 years before its time, they'd be like, what are these things? And yet, they're so delicious. They nurture, they nurture my soul. The Chick-fil-A sauce would have flown down the mountain. Like, anyway, I'm kidding, obviously. The point is, he's God. He could have fed them. Like, if we look at the Old Testament, there's several examples of Jesus providing for people in the wilderness. Manna every morning, quail, literally by the thousands. God has supplied for food before. Why doesn't he do it here? Jesus could have said, that's a great question. You guys bring up a great point. Hmm, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of bread. Also, boom, look at this pile of bread right next to me. And they've been like, what? That's incredible. You know, I mean, there's all the things he could have done. He's God, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do it. Why? Watch this. He doesn't do it because he wants, to, he wants them to use what they have. He says, what do you have? And then as they go, he multiplies it and does a miracle. What is Jesus teaching them? What, what is he teaching us by doing it this way? He's saying this. Know that it's impossible. Know that it's impossible with what you have and allow me to do a miracle through you. Jesus is trying to communicate. We can't find fulfillment in, in, in these things on the surface, that there's something deeper he's trying to do. He's trying to get us to the end of ourselves. He wants us to say, listen, know that that which I've asked you to do is impossible 
so that you simply take what you have and allow me to do a miracle through you. So get this. I want to submit to you that noticing inadequacies is actually the precursor for a move of God. Noticing your own inadequacies is actually a precursor for a move of God. Are you, are you starting to realize that there's a revolution at play here? It's when you say, I've come to the end of myself. When you declare, listen, I'm inadequate. Jesus, what you're asking me to do, it's, it's impossible. God, I can't. It's at that place. It's at the place that you realize you have nothing in and of yourself that you finally notice. You finally notice that God's trying to do something in and through you. It's not like God is sitting back and being like, listen, if, if you would have paid more attention in school, man, the things we could have done. Like if you were just a little better speaker, if, if you were just a little, you name it, right? In fact, all that we do have comes from God anyway. All the gifts that we have, all of the ability, the air in our lungs, the fact that we woke up this morning is, a gr- is an act of grace of God towards us. Like all of it is a result of who he is. He doesn't need us. He chooses to move through us. He's saying, listen, just, just bring me what you have and allow me to do a miracle through you. It's only when we finally notice that we aren't gifted enough. God, that we don't have enough resources, that there's just not enough time in the day to do what you're asking me to do, Jesus. It's in that moment that we say, I can't, that God says exactly, exactly. Give me what you have and see what I can do. Verse 41 goes on. And says, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Hmm. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke. There's two verbs in this passage. It's blessing and broke. In fact, in Mark 14, if we jump ahead and we'll get there eventually on our journey, but we see in Mark 14 that Jesus at the Last Supper, he uses the same two verbs. And Jesus is pointing forward to that moment, to the moment in which he blesses the bread and breaks it. And he's saying, this is my body. You see, Jesus is pointing forward. He wants the people to realize what's actually mattering in this moment. You see, the people want a Moses. They want a Moses, a a political and military leader to lead a revolution because Moses gave them bread in the wilderness and liberated them from Egypt. But Jesus is greater than Moses. He's trying to get them to, to look beyond what they think will bring them fulfillment and to address a true need. Jesus is saying, I will feed you with the bread of life and I will eternally liberate you with my broken body, with my shed blood. What Jesus is saying is, is, listen, there's something bigger at play. You're focusing on what's in front of you and there's something so much more important. There's something so much deeper. You see, 
when Jesus was hanging on a cross, he was speaking blessing over them and his body was being broken as our substitute. We bring nothing to the game. We, we have nothing but inadequacy when it comes to the move of God. In fact, even our own salvation, we bring only the sin that makes it necessary. We have to get to the end of ourselves. We have to realize that we don't contribute even to our own salvation, that it's the grace of God extended towards us. That's a revolution. That's the true revolution here. What you have is not enough in and of yourself. You have to get to the end of yourself. Your way isn't the best way. What you think you need, it falls short because it's not what you need. Has your heart not grown weary enough? Do you have to try a little harder before you come to the end of yourself and get to the place where you say, okay, okay, I get it. This is this is impossible. Here we are in another year and I'm still without joy. I'm still struggling and, and broken. You see, because something incredible happens in verse 42. It says this, verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. Are you satisfied with Jesus? Are you satisfied with him? Is he enough? Is Jesus enough? Or are you so fixated on, on the things that you still need? I mean, because, I mean, if you're, if you're a good Christian, <laughs> then I already know the way you answer this question. You answer this question, but yes, Jesus is enough, brother. Oh, pastor, mm, Jesus, he's enough. He's enough. You might say it, but do you live it? Do you live as if Jesus is enough? Oh, Jesus is enough, and I need this for happiness. Jesus is enough, but I, I, I want that for joy. My, my fulfillment comes when Jesus gives me this. No, but is, is Jesus enough? I want to tell you that we're all guilty of seeking fulfillment in other things. In fact, if you think this morning that, no, no, I do really think Jesus is enough and that's the way I function every day, then I think you're misguided and you're missing out on the fact that you're trying to find fulfillment in your perfect performance as a Christian when the reality is we're all sinners in need of a Savior. None of us outpace that. Like, we need Jesus to do a deep work in and through our hearts and minds. We're all guilty of seeking fulfillment in other things. And that's why the way we say every week that the text requires something of us, this week is no different. I want to challenge you with something. And the thing I want to challenge you with is to reflect on where you're not satisfied by Jesus and to repent. Reflect on where you're not satisfied by Jesus and repent. Repent means to literally turn away from the created thing and turn towards the creator. You see, all too often we focus and fixate on the thing we think we need and want to bring us a sense of fulfillment. I want to challenge you to turn away from that and turn towards Jesus. And maybe for you, the application, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, looks like you saying, 
I'm not satisfied by Jesus in my life. And so I've tried to find fulfillment apart from him in every area. I've run after other things and every time it's come up empty. If that's you this morning, it's as simple as praying a prayer, a prayer of repentance. To say, Lord, I want you to be the leader of my life. I accept the fact that your body was broken, that your blood was shed for me, for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and come and be the Lord and leader of my life. It can be that simple to pray that prayer. In fact, if you prayed that prayer or if you want to, I'd, I'd love for you to, to click. If you're joining with us live, if you could just click the prayer button, it'll put you in a private chat one-on-one -on -one with a host and they can walk you through next steps and the decision that you've made. If you're listening or watching this later, you can always reach out by email or through the website. We'd love to walk alongside you as you make that decision. For others of us that have maybe crossed that line of faith in the past, I want to challenge you. Where are you not satisfied? Is it your job? Your job that you just thought would deliver and in this season you're realizing it's not bringing the fulfillment you thought? Is your, your bank account's full or, or maybe it's empty and you're just saying, but I, I thought I could find a sense of fulfillment with my bank account full and it's not delivering or you know what, my bank account's empty and if I just get more money then, whew, well then I'll find fulfillment. You see, we play the cycle, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Maybe your hopes and dreams were, were in this political season you were looking for fulfillment there, but it never delivers. Because we're looking at, at this plane and, and God's trying to do something so much deeper. So much deeper. Would you repent as we start this new year? And just say, you know what? God, I've, I've searched to be satisfied in this. And I repent of that. Would you allow the Lord to realign your heart, your mind, focus you to live on mission for him. In fact, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we simply declare ourselves available, available for a move of God. Lord, we, we realize that uh, in and of ourselves, we're inadequate. We're wonderfully, incredibly inadequate. And yet you love us in spite of our brokenness. So much so that you gave your one and only son. And so today, God, we just declare ourselves available to be on mission with you. For your glory, for our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to continue on this journey with us as we gather again next week for the next message in the Unnoticed series. See you next week. Thanks for being with us this morning. It's always a good decision to spend time hearing the word, and we want to encourage you to also respond to the word this week. We close with an application to reflect on where you are not satisfied by Jesus and to repent. Many of you will just need to carve out time to make that happen, but if you are unsure how to do that, you'll want to check out the Monday devotional video. It'll be part of the devotional email and also on our website. It'll give some practical examples of how to apply the text. Yeah. We're about to sing, which is a great way to worship together, but remember that there are many ways to worship all throughout the week. The way we love, serve, give, and treat others are all acts of worship, and so is taking time to respond to the scripture. If you're not able to sing with us live, you can find the video on Facebook, and you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Search Centerway Church and look for our unnoticed playlist. And for those of you gathered on the live platform, we'll see you over on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.